Hello, Tyndale community. It is your friend, Tim. Um, to start off today, there's some of you who might not know me, and some of you who may have heard of me as that guy who works at Tyndale but doesn't live in Toronto. So by way of quick introduction, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I've been working in the admissions department at Tyndale as the senior admissions counselor for the undergrad and the seminary for about eight years now. Uh, the region that I look after starts just east of Toronto and heads all the way out to uh, Newfoundland, that far east for uh, the seminary and the Maritimes for the university, for the undergrad side. Um, <clears throat> so I have always been working remotely for Tyndale out of my home, just west of Ottawa in a small town called Carlton Place, as um, it's much easier to get where I need to uh, from my home here. So, well, I, like all of you guys, uh, long to be on campus again. I look forward to the day when we can all gather together in person. Uh, in the meantime, let me uh, welcome all of you guys to uh, my world of working remotely. Uh, personally, my wife Sarah and I just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary a few weeks ago. And uh, we have three kids, two boys and a girl, aged 10 13, and 16. So, in my work, I have the chance to share and speak quite a bit with students all over my region, all over Eastern Canada. Um, not just about Tyndale, uh, but I get the chance to speak quite a bit about the things that I hope God is uh, laying my, on my heart for the students that, uh, that I come across. My talk today is going to be based off of something I've been sharing with these students. Let me say up front what it may lack in theological depth. I'll leave that to those of you who carry many more letters than me at the back of your name. I hope you will see this talk as timely and inspirational as uh, we journey forward. I don't think it's a small statement to say this is a time like no other. <clears throat> I never like it when speakers do start out with a negative statement. So without going on for too long, let me set the scene by just stating the obvious. Um, the world's a little nuts right now. Our COVID reality has served to rev up even, the more, even more the dominant sentiment of our time, which, in my opinion is fear. Let me say that again. I think through media, through what's happening in the world, through the isolation that we've all been under in some form or another, the dominant sentiment of our time, I think, is fear. And uh, all these things have served to rev it up even more. Again, there are those in our community who understand the roots of human behavior much better than I do, but when I talk to, my, to the students in a pre- and post-COVID world, the underlying current of many of the conversations is um, they're all looking around and trying to figure out how to navigate important next steps in their development. And they're trying to figure out life and they're trying to figure out family dynamics, and they're trying to figure out so many different things coming at them. And everything they see thrown back at them 
reflects a world that's afraid. So, what can we do about this? What's our response as believers when we're getting our heads kicked in again and again by the stories and the events that so fear? What's our response when even our leaders of the church, even our political leaders, even our cultural leaders, they fail us and they let us down? What's our response to our families, our friends, and our community? My response to these questions started with another question. I had to think about this for a while. It had gotten to the point where I was having the same conversations over and over again with students, these students who are afraid of what they see in front of them. So what is the opposite of fear, I asked. What is the opposite of fear? And I think the answer to that is hope. Hope is a common enough theme in Scripture. We all know that. I think that we all know that at some level, even with a cursory glance through the different passages on hope, you can see that it is talked about in reference to, first and foremost, the promise of eternal life. Uh, We have hope in that, that our life here is not the end. We have hope of uh, eternity with Jesus. And that's an amazing thing. One aspect of hope that is also referenced, but maybe not thought about as much, is that it is a continuing gift available to all believers here on earth, right here, right now. Hope just doesn't come at the end, but all the way through our race. I'd suggest, actually, that God-given hope is all around us, and at times like this, the more we ask God to show hope to us, the more it will manifest itself. Let me share a, a pretty recent story about how God's hope manifested in my life. In February... I went to my family doctor to have a mole removed. It was no big deal in my mind. Um, Just me being cautious due to a family history. I went, uh, you know, I live in a relatively small town. So I went, had the procedure done, was in and out in 15 minutes. Done deal. You know, little sore from the stitches. That's okay. It was a done deal. A couple of days later, I got a call from my doctor with the follow-up. It was cons- this mole was considered abnormal, but nothing to worry about. My doctor, who you know had been our family doctor and extended family doctor for years, said they actually had left a little bit of the mole in there still. And although it wasn't really needed, she was suggesting that I come back and get that part taken out, uh, just to be sure, because this whole abnormal thing, just to get it all out. And yeah, but it was no big deal. She she really reassured me of that. You know, in the end, I appreciated her for being cautious and thorough. So, in a few days, I went back for procedure number two to get the rest of that mole removed. No big deal. A couple of days after that, I got a call with the results saying the same thing again. It was considered quote-unquote abnormal, but nothing bad. Case closed. Life goes on. We were in the start of everything COVID-related at Tyndale. 
uh, at this point, and things were changing in in our job at Lightspeed. Uh, so needless to say, there was more than enough stress to deal with. I was really glad to have this over with. About a week later, I got a call from my doctor again. This time she told me something that stopped me in my tracks. The second part of that mole that the lab had diagnosed as abnormal, but okay, had been seemingly randomly sent to a specialist for a second opinion. He looked at it, the specialist, and he actually saw that it was skin cancer. Yep, that's right. My doctor was calling me to say I have cancer. Now, for those of you who know me a bit better, you know that, well, anxiety is a bit of a companion with me. Um, You know, I've been proactive about it for the last few years, Uh, gotten therapy on on some meds, and it's been... It's been a lot better these last few years, my anxiety. But this news of, hey, guess what? You've got cancer. Uh, Along with all the COVID stress that was going on, the COVID-related stress, both for my family, for work, how we were adjusting to that, um, that was a definite challenge. But back to the phone call for a sec from my doctor. She's pretty nice, but she's pretty straightforward. Um, in her approach, and uh, in a bit of a surprise turn, she told me that how they found the cancer, you know, again, second opinion from the specialist using the second procedure that they didn't have to take out but was just being cautious, um, that's something she'd actually never heard of happening before. Uh, she quite frankly told me she was amazed at how it all happened and was actually, she was going to send my whole case to a special doctor committee or something like that, um, that they were going to take a look at this whole thing as a test case to change some of the systems around this type of procedure and diagnosis. So while my head's spinning at all this, I'm like, well, this is really weird. Um, Wow. She also said very uncharacteristically that although I now had to go in for procedure number three to get a deeper cut, more of a biopsy done, she actually told me she was pretty sure everything would be okay in the end which is a little bit out of character for my doctor. She's pretty straightforward, doesn't want to give anything false. So I hung up, uh, said thank you (laughs) to the doctor, told Sarah, and then kind of proceeded the process of freaking out inside. Um, I won't lie, I was scared out of my mind. Although, you know, I'm not young. Uh, I'm still pretty young still, Uh, although my colleagues like to joke with me that I'm the old man Um, on our team. um, I got three young kids, so I have a lot of things I want to do with my life, and I've got cancer? (sighs) Yeah, it was something. Needless to say, I did a lot of help God type praying over the next few days. Well, trying to maintain a calm exterior for my kids and also do my part to keep everyone at work encouraged as we made the transition completely off campus. So, for me, when the hopes started kicking in, though, 
was when I started to make a list of the things that had happened so far. Um, here's my list. If my doctor hadn't decided to take out the last bit of that mole, the cancer that I was now facing would have gone undetected. If they hadn't sent that second sample off to a specialist, which seemingly was very random, the cancer would have gone undetected. And then thirdly, even kind of more interestingly enough, there was a chance that my case, quote-unquote, could actually change the way things were done and possibly even, I don't know, save some lives in the future. That was pretty cool. So I looked at this list over and over again, kept talking to God a lot, a lot of the help God prayers, remember? And I, although the fear was very real, I started to find some peace through the hope that some really miraculous things had happened already throughout this entire process. I was still scared, but not bordering incapacitated anymore. And I had some God-given hope that things might just turn out okay. So, amazingly enough, um, I got a hospital appointment pretty quickly. So, yeah, turns out they take the whole cancer thing pretty seriously. Who know? Who knew? Um, I went in, and he was in, even was told by the doctor there that before he started, um, he didn't even have to take out as much as he thought because of the size of it. Yay! Let's... Cutting. This is good. So, hey, you know, I did get more carved out of me. And um, I am actually very thankful to say that the results I got back a week and a bit later were that um, they got all the cancer. And I was in the clear. I just need to do regular follow-ups for the foreseeable future with a determin with a, bleh, a determinologist. Yeah, that's an easy word to say. Dermatologist. There we go. But uh, all is well. So what am I going to remember from this experience? Aside from needing to buy a stronger sunscreen now? Um, I'm going to remember that God placed these moments of hope in my path when I was at my weakest and made an experience that was incredibly feel fearful for me a little less so. Because... He put up a whole bunch of markers for me to see that he was with me, that God was with me every step of the way. My friends, hope are those markers. Hope are those signs that God places in our life when we need them to encourage us and bring us along the path, even if it's one step at a time. So here's one more thing that I've learned about hope. When we receive hope, that is amazing. It's a blessing in our lives. But we don't stop there. We are also called to be the hope of Christ for those around us. Let me say that again. We are called to be the hope of Christ to those around us. Let me explain what I mean a bit more. I would say that again. We would all agree on the solid theological truths that our greatest hope lies in our promise of eternal life. It's an incredible promise given to us by God, and one that I, I'd hope that I would never take for granted and that none of us would. 
Let's not forget, though, that hope is central to the message of the kingdom of God, which means it exists in the here and now as well as in the future. The already, but the not yet. The world needs Jesus badly. We know this. We all agree on this. But the more I reflect on the Christian message of hope in the here and now, the more I see that hope is found in many ways and in many forms, and occasionally without the end goal of a commitment to Christ in the moment. Does that make sense? I know it's a bit weird to say it this way. When we are called to be the hope to those around us, we're not necessarily preaching a gospel message. We don't have to lead those around us in a prayer to accept Jesus. What we can do is be that hope in simple ways, in straightforward ways, in ways that are unexpected. That is the message of the kingdom of God right there. Remember, hope is the signs that God plants in our lives to lead us forward towards the central purpose of relationship with him. So as ones who are called to be the hope, we should be comfortable knowing that it can be found in a smile, a kind word, a kind act, anything else. Let's be confident in that. Let me throw out one other idea here about being the hope. Let's not neglect each other in this. When I say each other, I mean the body of Christ. The hope of Christ is a tool. No, I actually scratch that. The hope of Christ are those signs that lead people towards relationship with him. As I've said, it's an evangelistic tool that is put in our path to be able to lead people to Christ. Maybe not in the moment, but it is there. But sometimes we get so focused on thinking about evangelism that we forget the church. Man, the church needs hope right now. Let's not neglect each other in this. A few years ago when I decided to get proactive about my mental health, um, it was admittedly a long process. One of the things I did rediscover through everything was my hope. And out of that, when I was ready, I would have experiences over and over and over again where I was able to share just a little bit of my own journey with people, Christian leaders, students, people that would come into my conversations. I would talk about how I discovered my hope again, and for whatever reason, God was using that as a, as, as a way to bring these people hope. The funny thing was, like I said, it was almost, those conversations were almost with, always with believers. I learned that there's a real deficit of hope in many in the church, and whether it's from our experiences or whether it's just from who we are, we need to be the hope to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, as I've been thinking about this message in the last few weeks, um, all that stuff, 
all this crap, all this garbage has broken out down in the States. Um, starting with the killing of unarmed, innocent black people to the demonstrations, uh, uh, to the demonstrations that are here now in Canada and really around the world. I, um, I will be the first to say I'm, I'm, I'm shook up by it. And um, to say I'm horrified at some of the things that uh, triggered this, the killing of innocent people, innocent black people, um, well, yeah, to say I'm horrified uh, doesn't even, you know, feels like paying lip service almost. I've got no context to understand the depth of anger and despair that the black community is feeling right now. I'm going to tell you a quick story about a conversation I had with a girl in grade 12 that made it hit home for me. You know, she's in grade 12. She, uh, she's finding it hard to finish her year. She, you know, she hates online school. Uh, she hates that this is her grade 12 year and she hasn't been able to see her friends. She hasn't been able to, you know, take part in all the activities that would go along with a final grade 12 year. Um, uh, and, you know, I asked her, I just a, you know, check-in call. I said, how are you doing? And I could hear right away the sadness in her voice. Now, when I mean she sounded sad, it wasn't like, ow, I cut my finger and I'm sad. It was sad as in she sounded beat down, discouraged, and afraid. Friends, this broke my heart because she was looking at the world around us. This is a Christian girl. She was looking at the world around us. And at that moment, she was very, very short on hope. And it especially broke my heart when she said, I'm really worried for my brother. He's 20. Man. I'm really at a loss for words, and those of you who know me know this is true, but in that moment, I didn't know what to say. In the end, I did, you know, I tried my best. Uh, I hope it offered even a tiny moment of hope to her, what I was saying, but friends, Tyndale, if there's ever a moment to be the hope of Christ, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to the world, I say it's now. And when I say that, let's get real and get practical. Let's not get distracted by details. Let's focus in on putting those signs in front of these believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ, putting those signs of hope in front of them saying, hey, God loves you still. I hear you. I see you. Don't lose hope. Um, Desmond Tutu said that hope is being able to see that there's light 
despite all the darkness. My friends, for those sisters who are afraid for their brothers, let's do what we can to be a little bit of hope in their darkness. For those brothers who feel fear just stepping out of their house after dark, can we be a little bit of hope that will keep them safe? For those believers and non-believers who suffer under the weight of mental illness, can we be the hope that cuts through the fog? This is the hope of Christ. This is hope.